Welcome to the Centre of Research Excellence in Cerebral Palsy podcast. In this episode, we hear Joe Butcher talking about robots at the Redihoff Symposium in March 2018 at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. Joe Butchart is Senior Physiotherapist in Pediatric Rehabilitation at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. She's completing a Master's of Public Health looking at the use of now robots in pediatric rehabilitation. The first question Joe tackles, what would a robotic workforce look like? According to the ABC and some research they did, physios are 18% susceptible to automation. So that means they've determined that 18% of a job could be done by robots. And doctors are just a little bit worse at 21% susceptible to automation, um, which is still considered quite low compared to other professions. Um, And I guess here we're looking at increasing productivity and outcomes rather than a loss of jobs. I don't think there's a concern at the moment that anyone's about to be replaced by a robot, but I think we all know in in our work that there's more work than we can fit into the time period, so it would be really good if there's a robot to help us out sometimes. So what are we talking about? So artificial intelligence versus a robot. I guess there's a bit of overlap, but artificial intelligence is to do with machine learning and the algorithms. So, And a robot is more to do with the embodiment of the artificial intelligence. So you can have an artificially intelligent robot or you can have a robot that's not particularly intelligent. Or you can have artificial intelligence just in a computer program and... People probably don't think of that so much as a robot um, because it's not embodied. You can have autonomous versus teleoperated. So an autonomous robot is programmed in such a way that there's no human behind it operating it during its interactions. And it potentially has the ability to learn on its own without human interaction. Whereas there may be uses for robots in a teleoperation method as well. So that might be more if you're thinking of performing rehab with a client that's not physically with you and the robot can be with that person to present your knowledge, but there is a therapist or someone um, behind the machine on a computer somewhere. We've got physically versus socially assistive robots. So physically assistive robot is a robot that assists someone through manipulating the limbs physically. So they have physical interaction with the person and physically assist them with their movement. Whereas a socially interactive robot interacts through social means, such as talking, visual demonstration, uh, requesting things of people. And we've got population-level robots. And by that, I mean the robots that are integrated into the community. You might find them in your house, Google Home and Alexa I guess, are early versions of uh, robots that might be taking over your homes. And you've got your robotic vacuum cleaner that runs around and has a fairly low level of intelligence but is considered a robot. And then I guess in the future, self-driving cars or cars driven by robots, should people feel more comfortable with that, are um, a robot that's potentially going to be at the population level. And I guess thinking of the population that we work with, uh, children with neurodisabilities, the impacts that that might have on them. So someone previously unable to drive because of a visual impairment or a cognitive impairment or a physical impairment may be able to get into their self-driving car with the help of their robot that helps them into the car and drive somewhere on their own. And then we've got rehabilitation versus assistive robots. So rehabilitation robots, 
that these robots are for the purpose that they're used. So a rehabilitation robot is used for the purpose of practicing exercises for therapy, whereas an assistive robot is more of a functional robot. So you might have a robotic arm on a chair that a child's able to interact with to assist them in their daily tasks, but not a therapeutic purpose in that sense. Jo talks about how robots are becoming established in rehabilitation communities. So robot-assisted gait training is not all that different for some of the other clinical interventions we use, which might be bodyweight support treadmill training. So there's evidence around that in terms of neuronal restoration, fitness, maintaining musculoskeletal integrity, and often families uh, do identify walking as a really important goal for their child. The benefit of a robot assisting with that is it can increase intensity. So bodyweight support treadmill training places quite a high burden on the therapist, physically manipulating a child. Having a robot do that, you can do many more repetitions. The child can do it for a longer period. Some of the initial problems that we've found with the robot-assisted training, uh, with it being you know, too predictable and not encouraging that variation and learning for different environments, advanced algorithms in the computers are starting to negate that where they can introduce variability and introduce rotational movements. There's upper limb robots that do physically assistive training of reach and grasp in a similar manner. FES, I guess, is something that we haven't always uh, considered as a robotic therapy. So that's where we, uh, we might have a device such as a bike that a computer generates electrical impulses to coordinate the contraction of the muscles to generate a cycling movement. But if we look back to the definition, it's a complex computer program generating a movement. So I think it does fit into that category. And again, that has uh, benefits at the impairment level, but it might also be a form of fitness and it might be a form of function if it becomes a bike not in the therapy room in the future. Um, and then robotic prostheses. They're probably not so much about um, the rehabilitation, but about the function. So allowing someone to walk in a more advanced way than a traditional prosthetic limb or an exoskeleton, allowing a person with a, um, a motor impairment to walk in the upright position. There's a lot less research um, around socially assistic, assistive robots in rehabilitation, although some early studies are starting to look at um, the use of some socially assistive robots in cerebral palsy and uh, obstetric brachial plexus palsy, and they're finding that the robots are good for motivation. Joe now introduces Rosie, the now, that's N-A-O, robot. A quick Google search will show you lots of examples of now robots doing the thriller dance, interacting with each other, and much more. Rosie looks much like you'd expect a robot to look, and a little bit like Buzz Lightyear from the Toy Story movies. Anyway, over to Joe and Rosie. So she's 57 centimetres tall, which is quite a good size because you can still carry her around and take her to the children in their room or take her where you need to take her. She's got four limbs, which is actually really important for what we're doing. So a lot of the social robots actually don't have four movable limbs with similar movement to humans. A lot of them, to create a more stable robot, have their legs joined together, uh, which isn't particularly good for lower limb exercises. Um, she does walk in crouch gait, but since we're not looking for normal, that's, that's probably okay. Um, we'll let Rosie develop at her own pace. 
She's got some loudspeakers so she can talk to us. She's got uh, microphones so she can hear. She's got video cameras and all different sensors so that she can navigate the environment and, I guess, provide feedback on movements in the environment. And we can interact with her by contact and tactile sensors as well. So the Rehabilitation Robot Project, we've, we got a grant from the TAC a few years ago when Rosie came along to the clinics and we weren't really sure what, what she was going to help us with and she just kind of walked around and she was kind of cute but didn't do much. So we're trying to think of what would be useful. So I guess we're talking about, you know, a lot of bigger picture goals around activity and participation, but I think most of most people would acknowledge that there is still some role for intervention at the um, fitness or body structure function level. And some of the times that we might choose to do these interventions is after the multi-level surgery or after selective dorsal rhizotomy, where there really is a need to practice some specific strengthening exercises for a short period. Children might be required to practice the exercises multiple times a day. Um, it's intensive rehabilitation. Another really important thing is there's a set of exercises which are commonly prescribed in this population. Um, and I guess that was a starting point. Based on that sort of idea that we're going to develop a commonly prescribed set of exercises, we started some in-situ development. So basically, the programming of the lower limb exercises, uh, the program of the interaction and the feedback and the testing and troubleshooting all took place uh, in the clinical environment with the physios and the engineers working together. Um, then we started to look at evaluating the feasibility of using the robot in this way and the acceptability and then developing an app so that it was easily interfaced into the clinic. So the proposed benefits were to support home or ward-based exercise programs. So not to replace the physio sessions or the OT sessions. It was that often we're giving parents and children a piece of paper with a set of exercises and saying, yep, great, you can do these this evening and no one's really doing them because it's pretty boring. Um, so maybe, maybe they'd be more motivated using the robot. Maybe some children would find the robot more motivating in therapy than, um, than the physio. Interesting, a lot of the articles, which I think are written by engineers, talk about how physios, um, physios get bored and have trouble sustaining the motivation in sessions, <laughs> and then they'll make errors, <laughs> and the robot's more reliable at uh, uh, presenting the, you know, demonstrating the exercise over and over. But demonstration, I mean, it's fairly rare. Often, you know, the physios often will demonstrate an exercise, but it's pretty rare that you get down on the floor and do all the repetitions with the child, and we don't often see parents doing that either, so that's a benefit. Um, providing feedback, and even when there's no clinician there, you know, giving them tips about how to best do the exercise and providing encouragement. We've used this with inpatients and outpatients. Initially, we thought... Cerebral palsy was going to be the target population in these specific instances post-surgery. Uh, but we actually found that uh, kids with ABI and spinal cord injury and undergoing sort of rehab post and oncology diagnosis all did fit, the, were being prescribed exercises that the robot had the ability to do. And so the inclusion criteria for the study that we're doing is that 
their usual physio referred them to the study and they needed to be practising at least two of the exercises that the robot had the capability of doing. And so the rehab physios became familiar with what exercises the robot could actually do. And now we get to hear from Rosie. Hey, audience members. How are you? I guess I should introduce myself. I am now. I am a robot from Swinburne University, and I am here to help you with your exercises. I live on Kelby Ward. I am working here to help children do their exercises and get stronger. So, audience members, I have been trying some of your exercises. They can be a bit challenging, can't they? But I think if we do them together, we can make them more fun. What do you think? Before we start, I have to do something very important. And I mean, really, really important. She tells a joke. Joe then interacts with Rosie to move her on to the exercises. Should we get started? Yes. Sorry, I didn't hear you. You can also tap my head to continue. <laughs> Great. When we're done. Once she's in position, we see Rosie doing a couple of different exercises. Let's go for sit-stands. We will start sitting. And then stand up when you tap my head. Rosie's finale is more of a performance, but to give you a taste... Open Gangnam Style! So, yeah, so basically then we went on to do some research... Uh, about the experience of the parent and the child using the robot and looking at the feasibility and acceptability. We just want you to know that this is a discussion of the preliminary results, so we just want you to keep that in mind while listening to this. Brief results of the research that we did. Um, With 15 children, there were 17 parents and eight physios that answered some surveys that have been validated in the social robot literature um, so not the clinical uh, population. And the surveys grouped questions into themes. So on the, the vertical axis, you can see the acceptability value where five is always the most positive score. So um, the median score for anxiety was, uh, we've got in the blue, the parents, and in the green, the children. It, it was five, so that means that they had low levels of anxiety. Um, the physios were a bit more anxious but still had fairly low levels with a median score of four. Um, that might just be the physio's general disposition, I'm not sure. Um, attitude was fairly positive for all groups. It was perceived as useful by the parent and the physio. Children perceived it as a bit less useful, um, Maybe that's a good thing because they weren't seeing it as exercise and maybe they didn't see the importance of exercise in the same way. Trust is an interesting one. I think somewhat uh, the children's lack of trust might have been to do with the questionnaire as much as anything. One of the questions was, do you trust the robot more than the physio? So maybe a little bit misleading. Um, Likeability, you can't actually see the parent and child because they had a median score and intercortile range all at five, so very high likeability. Um, Physios liked it a little bit less, but still pretty high at a median of four. Uh, And their emotional state was very positive throughout the experience. Um, Looking at just responses just from the physio's perspective, Facilitating conditions, so factors that would make them use it in the future, scored a median of four. Intention to use was a median of three, so maybe they were going to use it again, maybe not. 
uh, adaptability. Uh, they perceived it as somewhat adaptable, which is fairly good given the limited programming that we actually had in the robot. Uh, easy to use and a reasonably strong social influence, which can impact on motivation. The children had a couple of uh, questions that were a bit different. So perceived enjoyment, they rated very high enjoyment and perceived sociability. So again, they perceived the robot as a very social being. Um, and again, the parents were asked about facilitating conditions. They scored a median of three there. So we think that's an area we could work on providing more training or manuals to the parents to assist them with using the robot. Despite that, they still found it very easy to use. So I guess moving aside from the evidence, um, you know, we don't necessarily have evidence that it's effective at the moment. We, we feel like it's acceptable, um, seems to be somewhat feasible, although we need to work on some of the technical aspects. Uh, but just in practice, I guess at the moment it's valid for clinicians to use it as an adjunct to their therapy. It's, you know, training things that they would typically train anyway and just using it to aid them in that. So I guess the future directions for us is uh, to use the robot in the clinical setting and further develop its, uh, its potential in terms of movement analysis and feedback and potentially research effectiveness and look at other applications within the rehab setting. Thank you for listening to the Centre of Research Excellence and Cerebral Palsy podcast. Subscribe to this podcast using your favourite podcast app. To find out more about us, head to crecp.org.au. Trixie Studio Gangnam Style <laughs>